another promise to hold on to is, is this promise, this simple promise. This is so simple. God will come through. God is going to help you. Maybe not when you think he should, maybe not when you wish he would, but he is going to come through for those who wait on him. You are listening to The Great Light Podcast, a resource aimed at building up the body of Christ and engaging the lost. This podcast is a production of Great Light Studios. For more information and resources, or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook or YouTube. If you would like to support this program and the ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so easily and securely through our website. There, you can also find both video and audio versions of the podcast. So last time I talked about suffering trials when we find ourselves in these situations that just seem absolutely impossible and how actually I think those situations are actually designed in a sense by God to strengthen and purify our faith and to ultimately show us and and bring us into a greater revelation, a greater true experiential knowledge of God, of his personality, of his goodness. Uh, Ultimately, I think hard, difficult, impossible situations that we find ourselves in, when we respond by faith, they teach us to rely not on ourselves, but they teach us to, in greater measures, rely on God and his power to live ultimately in the way that human beings were designed to live, in a dependence, a trust, a childlike uh, submission and faith, a a full-out trust in God, an awareness of God instead of an awareness of self. That's, I think, how human beings were designed to function, to operate in this world. There's so many things that bump us out of that place, that that knock us out of of thinking and and operating in that way of, of faith and trust in God. And so I think trials, what they do, one aspect of what they do is they help push us back into that way of thinking. They help bring us back into to trust and submission to God and to, and to breaking our own addiction to self-reliance, self-dependence, self-trust. And they, they remind us to trust in God. And, and ultimately, it's one of my favorite scriptures, a lot of people's favorite scriptures, uh, Proverbs uh, 3, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So what trials and suffering do, I think, again, I, w- I want to say that I, they're not, we need to get out of this mindset of thinking that if we find ourselves in a hard and difficult situation, it must mean God's mad at us. It must mean somewhere we went wrong. It must mean that we're out of God's will. All these kind of thoughts that we can have when we're in difficult situations, when we're in, even in temptations, temptation to sin, we can, we can start feeling guilt about that and think, man, I must be doing something wrong. Well, Jesus was tempted to sin. It says in Hebrews, he was tempted in every way, but without sin. So temptation, struggles, uh, temptation even abandoned faith, being pressed, being afflicted, being depressed and anxious. These things in themselves are don't indicate that we have somehow missed God's will. We somehow stepped out of his will and now this is like some sort of punishment or something like that. I think actually it, a lot of times, these difficult situations say and prove the exact opposite. They show that actually we're we're sincere disciples of Jesus. And this is exactly what has been promised to those who follow Christ is very difficult things that are going to press against you um, to to push against your, your faith. So Proverbs, again, Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. I think what afflictions, what trials and, and temptations do, um, testing of our faith, like James uh, chapter one talks about, what they do is they help us to uh, be the sort of people who don't lean on our own understanding. It teaches us to uh, less and less be people who lean on our understanding, and it teaches us to put greater measures of trust in God. So again, I think we we all are doing this imperfectly, and I think until we die, we're all going to be doing this imperfectly, meaning that we all have measures of ourself that we don't even see, that we don't even recognize, that God hasn't even brought to the table yet, uh, um, th- things that 
areas inside of us where we still are leaning on our own understanding. And so I think little by little, God, God is taking elements of that out. And he does that through the means of suffering and, and being pressed in trials, things that are hard, that, that ultimately is like God uses those things as, as, as a doctor does, a surgeon who, who causes pain, who does these things that if you had no idea what a, a heart surgeon was doing and you look through the, you know, the window into the operating room, you'd be like, man, what in the world is going on? That doctor is evil. He's, he's doing these violent, gory, cruel things to that poor, helpless person laying on the table. And I think sometimes we can get in that mindset about God when we're in uh, times of, of suffering and trial and temptation. We can think, this is, this is mean. Like, this is causing me pain and suffering. But I think ultimately, if we could step back and get the full picture and understand the wisdom of God, I think what we would see is something very much like a surgeon doing open heart surgery, where we'd see, no, this doctor is, is, is well-trained. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows he has to cause these violent incisions into this person um, to cause this pain in order to fix a deep-rooted problem inside of this person that, that you can't even see. And so I think in the same way, when we find ourselves in these difficult challenging circumstances, oftentimes um, it is God acting as a surgeon who is causing pain by cutting incisions into us, ultimately to get into deep-rooted things in our hearts that we don't even know are there, and to um, ultimately to fix and heal uh, uh, ways that we think, ways that we think about ourselves, ways that we think about reality, to ultimately to make us into people who think and function in this world more like Jesus than like uh, than like we 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 do in, in our independence from God. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. So in the midst of trials and suffering, in the midst of being pressed, in the midst of temptations that are just bringing you to a point of despair, don't lean on your own understanding about the situation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Know that he is good. He can change the situation. Keep moving forward. Keep gripping onto the promises of God. God's mercies are new every morning. Um, and so really, I think that's that's actually in this, in this video, uh, I, I wanted to talk about that real quick. The promises of God, the encouraging promises of God that I would uh, encourage you to hold onto when you, you find yourself at the end of yourself, when you find yourself in circumstances that are just bringing you to uh, despair and hopelessness and seeming like this is a never-ending thing that I can't get out of, um, I want to just talk about a couple things, scriptures that are, I think, if you're in that place, will be encouraging. I know these have been very encouraging to me. So the first one I want to look at is really tied to Psalm 22, which I read out of in the in the last episode. But but this is uh, Psalm 102, um, verse 17. It says, "He, God, the Lord, regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise. He does not ignore their prayer." Psalm 22, like we, we read this last time, is where um, David says, my God, why are you so far from helping me? Why, why, why are you so far from saving me? Why, when I'm in the midst of these difficult, challenging times, does it feel like you are so far away? When I cry out to you, David says, I cry by day, but you don't answer. I cry by night and I find no rest. Like I'm asking for help, but it seems like you're just not listening. So that's what we can feel in the midst of trials and suffering. But here's, here's something that challenges that way of thinking. And I think this is true. I think this, what this says, what Psalm 102, 17 says, this is more true than what my emotions and my feelings tell me in the midst of suffering and trials. My emotions and my feelings tell me when I'm in the middle of trials, they tell me God's not listening. God's not real, maybe. God, is, God doesn't care. Uh, God is far away. I'm crying out and he doesn't listen. He's not helping me. This, what this says 
is that no, God regards the prayer of the destitute and he does not despise, he does not ignore their prayer. Destitute, that word, um, I, sh I should have the definition pulled up, but uh, um, actually I'm gonna do that real quick because I think that would maybe help. Um, so destitute, in my mind, when I think about it, I think of, of just empty, like you, you have, you have nothing. Ultimately you have nothing to bring to the table. It's like you're, you're powerless. So, um, destitute here's, here's just a quick definition that I pulled up. It says without means of substance, subs, subsistence, lacking food, clothing, and shelter. Uh, another definition is deprived of devoid of or lacking. Um, so, uh, it, it's it's that idea of just you're lacking. You ha you don't have what you need, and so that's exactly what David is expressing. What you see is the the char what characterizes David in Psalm 22 is he's he's a person who's destitute. He's without help. He's without sustenance. He's without the provision that he 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 needs in that situation. He feels like, and so when we're feeling that, whatever's causing that. There's so many things that can cause us to be at that point. Um, when we feel like we just don't have what we need for this to, to, to have victory in the situation, to, to keep going, God regards your prayers in that time. I think it's those people who are broken and the lowest of the low that, that God has a special, uh, a special place in his mind and heart for people like that. And even if it doesn't feel like it or seem like it, God is listening to, to your cries for help. It says he regards the prayer. So when we feel like he's just, he's ignoring it, well, no, this says he regards it. He listens to it. He considers it. He actually stops, if you can use that terminology for God. And when your cries are coming out, that your cry that's coming forth from a place of being destitute and you're lacking and you're struggling and you're weak and you're feeling hopeless, God stops what he's doing. Again, uh, if you want to put it that way, um, there's so many theological things wrong with that statement. So it's hard for me to just say it and move on. Um, but, but God stops and he listens to the prayer of the destitute. He doesn't just keep going about what he's doing and say, I don't have time for this. I don't want to listen to that. Actually, it's the destitute, the broken, the lowly in the world who God has a, a special place in his heart for. And so if you find yourself in that situation, know that when you find yourself in a place of despair and pain and turmoil in your soul, you're actually in, in, in a sense in a privileged position to, to get, I think, the special attention of God. Um, and, and, and so God regards your prayer. He's listening. He's not ignoring it. You, again, even if it feels like he is, it says he does not despise their prayer. He doesn't ignore it. Uh, I think is that what ultimately what you, uh, what that word despise mean. He doesn't ignore it. So this is just a direct um, challenge to, I think, what, what I feel often in those times. And what we can often feel is that God just isn't listening. He just doesn't care. He, I'm praying and he's not coming through. This is a challenge that says, no, God is listening. And it, it says he regards the prayer of the destitute. So think about this. If, if, if the Bible is telling us God regards the prayer of the destitute, what that assumes is that we will get to these places where we feel destitute. And so uh, we will we will find ourselves in these places where we feel like we are lacking, and so this assumes that these situations are going to happen, and, and and it also is telling us that in those times God is not ignoring us. We need to know that as we continue to pray, we can we can leave the situation to God. We can know by faith God is listening to this. He he's maybe not showing up in the way I wish he would. He's maybe not coming through in the way I wish he would. And, and, and that's not abnormal. It's not, it's, if you read the Bible, if you read this book, you're going to find that it's not abnormal for people to, to be in situations where it seems like God just isn't doing what their preconceived ideas of what he should do. Uh, he, he's not showing up in, in the way that we thought, thought he would. He's not showing up in the way that we think he should. He's, 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 um, you know, the ultimate example of that, I think, is Jesus, 
uh, you know, the disciples were following Jesus. They were, have, had all these expectations of what the Messiah would be, of what he would do. And then Jesus was dead. He was buried. And they found themselves themselves in the situation of just confusion and turmoil and perplexity and, and, and like, what just happened? What is going on? This is not how I thought God would show up. In those times, we have to just keep going. It's, it's again, Galatians, uh, again, I think it's six, where it says, don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season, you will reap if you don't lose heart, if you don't give up. So that's the point is that don't, don't give up in those times. Hold on to promises like this, knowing that God is listening, even when it feels like he's not. Um, so the Lord, <laughs> the Lord will come through. Here's, here's again, what, I, what I'm wanting to do is just give you specific promises, I think, that recently have been very encouraging to me. Things that scriptures that I'll just think about, that I'm reminded of, that I think what this is telling me, um, I, I've come to this place where, where I've just had to say what this is saying I'm choosing to believe, and I th- I think actually that that um, there's more evidence to me that what this is saying about my situation, about me, about what I'm going through, this is more true than what my feelings and my emotions and my own understanding is telling me. I believe that this is more true. So I'm trying. I, I want to give you some promises, some specific things in the scripture that have been helping me, and so. So one was, yeah, this Psalm 22, Psalm 102, 17, that he's listening to the prayer of those who are in that place of destitution. Um, and so actually what I want to do is Isaiah 57, 15, that kind of connects to this. Um, and then there's uh, a couple more I want to look at. So Isaiah 57, 15, let me go there real quick. So this, I think, really connects to, to some of the things I was saying before. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says, this is what the one who is high and lifted up says, God, uh, the one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the spirit would grow faint before me in the breath of life that I made. So this this specific instance is talking of, of a situation where there was actually sin involved. The, 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 the situation of struggle and, and these people or this person being in a place where they were contrite and lowly in spirit in this, in this hard sort of despairing situation it was actually because of their sin, is what this is saying. But that's not always the case. It's not always the case that it's because of our sin that we find ourselves in these situations. Um, but what this should tell us is that even if it is, even if there is some sin that's been in your life or some struggle, and that's what's ultimately kind of uh, at, at, at the heart of what's causing a lot of your tur- turmoil and, and suffering, then maybe your sin has kind of messed up situations around you and circumstances and, and your life is kind of in a mess or inside you're in a mess because of your sin. Well, that doesn't disqualify you from anything that I'm saying, from any of the promises of the Bible. It actually puts you in a place of great qualification to, to receive all these great promises. Um, again, Jesus, Jesus came not for those who are well, not for those who have it all together. Jesus came for those who are sick, for those who need help. Um, he didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. He didn't come for those who, who seemingly have it all together, aren't making mistakes, aren't stumbling, aren't struggling. He came for those who recognize that they don't have it all together. They are struggling. They are sinful. They are weak. And so all that to say, I think so often we can kind of disqualify ourselves in our mind from promises like this because we think, well, I'm in this hard situation. This is happening to me. I'm feeling this way because of my sin. It's my fault. It's something I did willfully. And so that must probably disqualifies me. God's probably just angry. He's probably given up on me. Um, this situation probably is impossible. There's no hope because I've blown it. As long as we have breath in our lungs, that is not true. I think that's a, that's something that a lot of people, and I know I had, I've had times in the past where that's, that's, that 
way of thinking, I think really it can be devastating to our faith where we feel like the things we've done have disqualified us. And that's where things like the unpardonable sin and uh, uh, scary verses from like Hebrews chapter six and things like that can come in. And, and we start to think that we're in these terrible times and, and the sin, the, the, the things we're struggling with, the things that, that were, are causing us to be in these low, low places, it's our fault. And that disqualifies us. God's given up on us. And so I think that's a mentality that I think we can get free from. And, and I think we need to be free from and know that, um, again, I don't think there's ever a time in a, as long as a person has life in them that that they can't find redemption and forgiveness. Um, and so uh, a little, I guess a little side plug is that uh, that's, that's uh, Metamorphosis, this, this documentary film that, um, it's been finished for about a year now, I think, but I, I spent a couple years making this film. Basically, it tells the story of this um, drug dealer, ex-drug dealer guy who was just really rough and, and grew up addicted to violence, addicted to drugs, uh, uh, just crazy story. And he found redemption in in God. And, and he was one who just felt like his destiny was hell. His destiny was destruction. There's nothing he could do about it because of the things he's, he did. And so kind of the, the heart of that that film, what I really wanted to convey more than anything was was to get this message across that there is there is no sin too great. There's no pit too deep that that God can't redeem you from that, that God isn't willing and his mercy isn't big and wide and, and deep enough to to rescue you up out of that and to redeem that situation. And so that's a, a little shameless plug for that film. I, I would encourage you, those who are struggling with that sort of mentality of, of just thinking that your your choices, your sin has just, it's too much. It's it's uh, what you've done and who you are, the decisions you've made are, are they've disqualified you and your your destiny is just destruction and and um, I would encourage you to watch that film, um, Metamorphosis. You can find it on our YouTube channel. Um, you can find it on Amazon Prime. Um, but but I think my heart in that, again, was just to kind of help people. Uh, that was one of the main aspects. I think it, it kind of covers a, a variety of things. But that's one of the main things, just to kind of give a message of hope to people feeling that and to show that Jesus is what he accomplished on the cross is big enough to to deliver you or anybody from even the worst sins. Um, so um, yeah, enough of that. I just I just wanted to cover that and 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 speak kind of to those situations because I know um, when we're in trials and suffering, that's a common mentality that a lot of people kind of slip into. Um, but uh, this says Isaiah. Yeah, getting back to Isaiah, it says God. Uh, uh, he, he dwells. It says, so it's talking about where does God live? Well, it says he lives um, in, again, verse 15, I dwell in the high and holy place. So one place God lives, a special place that he dwells is in a high and holy place. And the other place where God likes to hang out is with him, with the person. God likes to hang out. He likes to be close to the person who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Excuse me. So God, rather than, than being distant, being far away, being apathetic to us when we're in these despairing, hopeless situations, crying out to help, he's actually closer than, than he ever is. That that's actually that's actually like where he loves to to operate in a special and unique way to reveal more of himself to us. Those are the times when we're in those places of being contrite and lowly, broken, poor in spirit, feeling hopeless. At the end of our own strength and abilities, where we're looking up and we're saying, "I have nothing, God, but you," and and I'm I'm toast unless you come through in this situation. That's actually, I think, God's favorite place to to work with us and to do special things in our life as far as revealing more of himself to us, setting us free from things we weren't even aware of that, that we were living in. 
ultimately teaching us to rely on him and trust in him and not to trust on ourselves in ourselves. Um, so Psalm 37, here, here's kind of the, that was kind of the first promise. I really had two sort of categories of promises that I just wanted to kind of encourage you to hold on to in the midst of these sort of seasons. One was that, just that he, he is listening. In, in your destitution, as you're at the lowest point, he's there, he is listening, even when it feels like he's not. That's what the promises of, of the Bible tell us. So the other thing, which I'll go to Psalm 37 for. Here's, here's to summarize the other promise I would encourage you to grab onto and hold onto when you're in these terrible, dark, despairing times. And it, again, times like Paul, like in 2 Corinthians, which we talked about last time, where it says they were so utterly burdened beyond their own strength that they despaired of life itself. Another promise to hold onto is this promise, this simple promise, this is so simple, God will come through. God is going to help you. Maybe not when you think he should, maybe not when you wish he would, but he is going to come through for those who wait on him. So Psalm 37, uh, five through seven, it says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will Bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't worry yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath. Don't worry yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoer shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. There's, there's so much more in this chapter, in this psalm, about waiting on the Lord. But ultimately what this saying, this is, this is a very simple, straightforward truth that we can grab onto in the midst of being in the lowest of low points. And again, even when it's the result of our own sin, our own failures, this is what God says to us. Trust me. Trust in the Lord. Dwell in the land. Which, which is another way of saying, just stay in that place of faith. Stay, stay there with God and wait for him. Um, he says, commit your way to the Lord. Commit that I'm not, I'm not going to walk away from this. This is hard. This is challenging. But this is the time when, when we're exposed as either the house built on the rock or the house built on the sand, like Jesus talks about. Um, the one built on the rock, when the rain comes, the storm comes, the wind comes, and it, it's this powerful storm that will come, the faith is such, it, it, the character of the faith of this house is one that it endures. It doesn't, it doesn't fall to, to the, the storms of affliction and trials and temptations. It, it holds through, even though it's going to get battered up and bruised and it's going to get, you know, uh, it's going to have some issues, which is another way of saying we're going to, we're going to do this thing imperfectly. We're going to have flaws and struggles in the midst of even holding on to faith. And that's okay. The thing is, will we ultimately commit ourselves to the Lord and hold, hold to the simple faith of trust in God all the way through till he brings us out to the other side? And the simple promise that's being told to us here is that there is another side. He will bring us out to the other side. Um, it says, trust in him. He will act. He will act. Even if he's not acting now, he will. Even if he's not coming through now, he will come through. This is either true or it's not. This is either this, this is either absolutely true or, or it's just a lie. It's made up. I think it's true. I think there's good reason, which we're not going to get into all, all of that uh, apologetic type. So I think there's good reason to think that this statement, this promise is something that we can take to the bank and cash in. I can hold on to this as an anchor for my soul, as something that keeps me from just getting blown away by the storm. I can know this is so hard and painful what I'm in right now, this situation. It's so hard. It's so painful. It's so confusing. It's so perplexing. But this simple promise in the Psalms tells me that I need what I need to do right now. My response needs to be trust in the Lord and he will act. 
He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. So when you're in this nighttime like situation where things have gone dark in your life, things are dark, and it seems like this man, the sun is just not coming up. The light is just not shining. It's just dark. And I keep looking for help. I keep looking to get out of this and it stays dark. It's still nighttime out. The sun rises. And I think the sun rising every day and then going back down at the night and rising again. And it's just this faithful pattern that we can, we know this is the way nature works. I think in the same way, we can know that there are, there's spiritual laws at work here. There's, there's spiritual truths that are as sure and, 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 uh, unchanging as the rising and setting of the sun and not, not equal even, I think they're more. The faithfulness of God is more faithful than the rising and setting of the sun. The setting and rising of the sun, I think, is actually a picture. It's secondary. It's a picture. Uh, it's less faithful even, you could say, than the faithfulness of God. And, and, and uh, as surely as the sun is will rise after it it, it's been night for, for several hours. As surely as that's going to happen, it's just as sure that God, for those who wait for him, God will bring forth their righteousness as the light. He will bring justice into your situation. He will bring justice against your enemies, against those who are accusing you, who are causing you to feel guilt and shame. He will bring justice against the, those enemies, whatever they are, enemies of depression, enemies of of sin and struggle and, and the taunting of you're never going to get over this. You're never going to be better. There's no victory. God is mad at you. God hates you. You're a failure. Why are you feeling this way? Why are you doing this? Whatever. There's so many accusations that come from our enemies. Uh, the enemies that are a lot of times our greatest enemy is ourself and our own minds. And I think what the, the spiritual warfare, spiritual forces of darkness and Satan I have no idea how this works, but I believe it's true how he works in correlation with our own thoughts to uh, attack us, to persecute us in the midst of our trying to walk with the Lord. What this is telling us, again, is that God will bring forth your righteousness as the light. You know when you go to bed tonight, it's going to be dark for a while. It's going to be nighttime out. You might go, if you go outside, you're not going to be able to see things as well as you could during the day. It's, things are going to be more confusing and, and, and it's harder to function. People don't work during the night because it's just harder to do that. In the same way, we find ourselves in these wilderness, nighttime-like situations. But when you go to bed at night, you know the sun is going to come up. It's, it's faithful. It will come up. In the same way, God is telling us, as surely as the sun will rise, just as sure as that, he is going to bring light into our situation. He's going to come and he's going to act. So what this tells us to do is be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. All we have to do, and maybe I know it's probably, it's, it's easier said than done, but all we have to do is just, just wait, just stay in faith in him because the, the, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Satan's looking around for, for faith to eat. Satan likes to eat faith. I think that's what he fills his belly with in the earth. He's roaming around the earth looking for people who has have this faith and trust and dependence on God, and he wants to consume that with, with trials and temptations and sufferings. And again, for whatever reason, God sometimes allows that to come. Satan came to Job and he asked for permission to sift, to sift him, to, to test him, to bring all these confusing and painful trials in his life. God gave him permission. Um, that can maybe, I don't know, maybe your immediate response to that is to be mad at God, to be angry and to be like, dude, you're a jerk. Why would you allow that? But I would just say, don't go there. It's okay, I think, to feel feel confusion about these things. But I think at the end of the day, we can know like Job did that God works in ways and he does things that are so much higher than what we can understand. But I think as we stay in a place of faith and trust in him, he will give us a wisdom and, and a way to understand his thoughts so that we can, we can remain still before him and wait patiently and know that he is faithful. He will bring us uh, to the other side. So to end this, Psalm 34, 
Psalm 34, starting at verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So really, Psalm 22 is a psalm that like, it's like David was in the middle, I think, of this, this fiery affliction. Psalm 34 is, is the experience of being on the other side of an affliction. It's, 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 this psalm is coming out of the heart of a man who has endured by faith. He's waited patiently. And now here's what he's saying on the other side. Psalm 22 is like, this is what a man in the middle of affliction is saying. This is what that same man is saying when he's endured and got to the other side. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And then I want to I want to add on the last verse here because this this is really good that goes uh, through it. Actually, the last four verses. So uh, Psalm thirty four nineteen it says, "Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all." Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Here's a promise that you can take to the bank. If you're a sincere follower of Jesus, you really want to follow God and know his will. Afflictions are going to come. There's going to become think there's going to come things that press up against that that ultimately I think are being used by God to refine that faith, to purify you, to make you look more like Jesus in your thoughts, in your emotions, in your attitude. Um, in your way of understanding reality in the world and, and ultimately in the way you think about God. God uses these things to, to produce that in us. So the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. There's no condemnation in Christ in the midst of your struggle and suffering. This says that those who are taking refuge in God, if you're in the midst of whatever, again, I'm going to say it again, even if it's because of your sin that brought you into this hard situation and this confusion and discouragement that you find yourself in, this says the Lord redeems the life of his servants and none of those, no, no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. If you're the type of person who in the midst of your circumstances, you're running to God for refuge. You're running to his promises and you're saying, I, I can't do this. I need your help. That's You fit into this category of persons who take refuge in God. What this says is that nobody who takes refuge in God is, is going to be condemned. God's not, God is a, God is love. He is loving. He's merciful. He is the definition of mercy and love. All mercy and love that we see in reality in the world around us that is pointing toward the ultimate reality, the ultimate definition of what those things are, uh, is God himself, his very personality. All that to say that when God looks and he sees people, weak, suffering, sinners, sinful, dirty people who need help, and they're rather than running away in distrust of him and, and uh, uh, unbelief, they're actually running to him with their struggles and their weakness and their, their trials are running to him. And they're saying, I, I, I want to come inside. I want to come inside you and, and you are my shelter. You are my stronghold. The people who have that mindset where they're running to safety in the Lord, God's not looking down. He's not going to look at any of them, look down at them running to him and say, nope, you did this. You can't come in. You're, you're condemned. Nope, you can't do it because, because of who you are and what you've done. No, anybody who's running into him for refuge, he says, he's just welcoming. He's saying, come in. Come in. I will condemn none of you. Um, this is this is all I want. All I want is for, for you to, to come to me, to just trust me, to look to me and not look to yourself or other things. None of those who look to him will be condemned. He redeems the life of his servant. And going back to verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Again, this is a man who's come out of a trial and affliction. He's saying, I sought him 
in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of my trial, in the midst of my fear. And it says, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces never shall be ashamed. So what this is saying is those who in the midst of your trials, your afflictions and your temptations, uh, those when you're in the middle of that, the, the people who are in those things and they turn their face toward the Lord for help, they run to him for refuge rather than running away to something else. Those who look to him says their faces shall never be ashamed. What does that mean? What is it? That's it's kind of weird language. Their faces shall never be ashamed. I think a simple way of thinking about this is to say that those, those people who in the midst of their difficult, challenging times, they turn to the Lord for help. The law that is in, set in stone here is that those people will never at the, at the end, the ultimate, will be disappointed that they did. It's not going to be like you put, you turn your face and you look to him for help and you wait on him and then he never comes through. He never helps. And then at the end, at the end of it all, the ultimate, the ultimate result of your faith and trust in him is you're disappointed. You're, you're, you're put to shame because he didn't come through and your hopes were lost. And then you find out, oh, this was all a sham. And it wasn't worth me putting my faith in God because he actually isn't faithful. This is saying that's not the case. Nobody who looks to him is ever going to get to the end and realize I sh- I, sh- I shouldn't have trusted him. Actually, the reality is you're going to get to the end and you're going to realize, wow, that was exactly what I needed to do. Nobody who looks to him is going to be disappointed. You're going to find at the end of it that that he is faithful and he will show up and he will fulfill his promises. He will be good and he will do good in you and in your life. Um, those who look to him will never be disappointed that they did. Those who trust in God are never going to say, I wish I hadn't done that. This didn't get me to where I wish I would, would have ended up. Nobody who trusts in God and waits on him is going to say that. That's what this is telling us. Again, this is a man who's come out on the other side and he's experienced that for himself. He's re- experienced that God is faithful and he's worth my trust, even when things don't make sense. He's worth me staying in in this thing with and knowing that in the end, uh, when God decides, he's going to break through into this situation. Uh, there's a verse in First Peter uh, that says that after you have suffered a little while, it says the God of all grace, he will, he will strengthen, establish, and settle you. So at the right time, it, it's when God decides it's the right time, he comes through. But he always comes through. He's always faithful. He's always faithful in my life when I wait for him. He doesn't leave me in this place of despair and hopelessness and just powerlessness where I just have no strength. I have no ability to even believe sometimes. When I'm in those times and I look to him, what I find every time is that I get the strength from him that I need to keep going. I get what I need to, to, to stand and to remain firm in faith. He's, he's faithful to give what we need. He gives us daily bread. And so, and I think ultimately at the end, we're going to realize it was all worth it. These light, as Paul says, these light and momentary afflictions are working for us an exceeding weight of glory beyond uh, all compare. He says something like that. And so it's worth it. It's worth it. Wait on the Lord. Be still. Wait for him. And you're not going to be disappointed that you did. That's the best thing that you can do. So when fear is coming against you and saying, stop trusting in Jesus, don't listen to it. Wait, wait on him. Sit where you're at. When when anxiety and depression are coming in saying, abandon faith, like this isn't working. Uh, uh, this is too hard. Uh, this doesn't make sense. Um, whatever these thoughts and feelings come that say, stop trusting in God. Don't listen to it. This is more true than the feelings and emotions and understanding that rises up inside of you in the midst of the confusing experiences that you're having. This is more true. When sin comes and temptation and it says, this will satisfy you, this will fulfill fulfill you, this way of life, this way of living is better than the one you're you're in of, of trusting God and just remaining, seeking to be faithful. Turn to sin and it will it will fulfill you. Don't listen to it. Stay in that place that even that's going to seem foolish 
a lot of times to you and it's going to seem foolish to the world when you're abandoning pleasures and you're abandoning certain ways of life because you, you're believing without seeing, you're believing that God's way is better. God's way is ultimately better than that way. When you're doing that, you're being, you're being like the man in Psalm 37. You're being still before the Lord. You're waiting patiently for him. And those who wait for him, verse 9, those who wait for him, for the Lord, will inherit the land. But the wicked will be no more. At the end of the end, there's going to be a division. There's going to be a division. There's going to be the wicked who have, have refused faith in God, have refused submission to him have loved darkness rather than light, and they're going to be no more. You might look around at the wicked now. They might seem to be prospering. They might seem to be doing well. They might seem to be getting away from it with it, with what they're doing. It might seem like they've got the better life. I'm here suffering and trying to stay faithful to Jesus, and life is just hard. And here's the guy over here just like indulging in the things of the world and and having all this pleasure, having all this fun, and, and it seems like they're just prospering. Psalm 37 is addressing that sort of struggle when you're recognizing that in reality. It's addressing that. And what it's saying is, that's not the end. The end result is that the wicked are going to be no more. They're going to be removed entirely from the picture. They're, they're not going to get away with it. Nobody will get away with a life of distrust and unfaithfulness and rejection of the mercy and goodness of God. God's mercy and goodness, which is speaking even in creation to people that people can either listen to, they can stop and listen in humility, or they can keep going their own way. For those who go their own way, even again, even if it seems like they're prospering now, they will not prosper. They're going to be cut off. There will be an end put to that. But for those who wait on the Lord, the end is going to be wonderful. It's good. They are the ones who inherit the land. And I think this is sort of a reference to the promised land, but it's it's a reference to ultimately the physical earth that I think the righteous who, who, who uh, have believed in the gospel, they will inherit the literal earth uh, where God will establish his kingdom and all things will be made new on earth. Evil and wickedness, pain and suffering will be removed from our experience. We can hold on to that reality. And as I wait on the Lord, I think there's measures of that that we receive in this age, in this life, where God, God gives us what we need to keep going, to stay faithful in the midst of the challenging things that we face. And we can know that ultimately we're going to be free from this completely. Like this is not going to be my experience forever. There is, there's even in my day to day, even now, there's another side to this affliction, struggle, and trial, and this, this life of temptation. There's another side of it where God is faithful to provide, even on a day-to-day -day basis. He gives me enough to say, you're enough, and, and I can find, we can find peace. He gives us enough to find peace in the storm. He gives us enough to, to have joy, even a joy that's beyond what the world has as we continue to be faithful to him. But ultimately on the other side, what Psalm 37 is telling us is, is an, the, the ultimate end to this is that we will inherit the earth. The meek, verse 11, will inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Everybody wants peace. That's ultimate, I think that's what <laughs> so many people that really every person is looking for is peace. Peace is a person. Uh, Jesus, in Ephesians says about Jesus, that he himself is our peace. Peace is a person. So if you want ultimate peace, abundant peace, the only way to find that is to get into relationship with this person who is peace. He's the source of all peace in reality, true peace. So it's worth it. It's worth your pain. It's worth you continuing to take the next step to be still, to wait on the Lord, it's worth it because things are going to change. Um, God is faithful. This is, this is real. He, these things, again, these things are more true than what our emotions and our own understanding tell us is true. Um, God is faithful. He will show up. There is so much hope 
for the other side, an eternal weight of glory beyond all compare. So hold on to that and know that, that the wicked are going to be removed, the righteous, those who continue to put childlike faith in God, they will be the ones who inherit the land and who delight themselves in abundant peace. So I just say, think about that. There's so much more there to talk about and to think about, um, but hold on to these promises. Um, and to end this, uh, just Psalm 112, uh, Psalm 112, 4, it says, light dawns in the darkness for the upright. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. This is acknowledging the fact that the upright will find themselves in times and seasons of darkness. So it's normal. It happens. It happens to the most faithful followers of Jesus. It happened to Jesus himself. Darkness. But that's not the end. That's not the end result for those who wait on the Lord. The end result of those who wait on the Lord is that light comes through. As surely as the sun will rise, God is, is going to come through. He's faithful in your situation and, and he's worth holding on to faith for. And, and for those who do that in your darkness, uh, God will come through. Jesus will show himself faithful. He will become light to you in your situation and uh, redeem it and make, make your faith and endurance. He's going to make it all worth it. You have been listening to The Great Light Podcast. To find more information and resources or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to support this program and partner with the ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so through our website. There you can also find both video and audio versions of this podcast.